It's a Mind Matters Free Clinic with consultant psychiatrist uh, Dr. Philip George. Becky, you had a question for Dr. Philip. Go right ahead. Right. Okay. Uh, I always wondered uh, mm-hmm. on the cigarette boxes, you have all these messages smoking kills you. And I'm looking at it from a child's perspective. We see a lot of tragedies like uh, teen suicides and all this. Yeah. How does kids see it or for who are these images for? Yeah, so, well, basically when they did bring the warnings on the cigarette packs, it was after research showed that it actually decreased some numbers of people who actually started smoking because it did put fear into them and it struck that, you know, this is not a fancy thing because, you know, in the past it was all these beautiful uh, signboards of people, you know, in the Wild West and riding horses and, you know, uh, so that the, the image decides on the, you know, motivation. And so they've taken away, you know, some of that image that produced the motivation in the past but of course there are other things that other countries have moved on to there is no brand packaging uh, which you know doesn't have anything on it there's packages that have nothing and maybe just big warnings in bold about the risk of smoking there are you know counters that don't show cigarettes at all you know they're not uh, in view of people so different countries have taken different steps but we need to know if those are as effective as you know what has happened with showing the disastrous effect that's called aversive therapy you know so when we see these things then it does have an impact on maybe reducing people who start smoking now i think the important thing is prohibition so till the age of 18 the brain is a developing organ and it's not fully developed till 18 if children are sold or allowed to buy cigarettes or are exposed to cigarettes at a younger age it's really hard for them to make decisions to say no you know so i think as long as families parents play that role that their children do not pick up a cigarette you know as long as they're in within their care and that schools and you know shops all have that rule then it becomes less accessible call us with your questions for the good psychiatrist on 0395433333 also you can drop us a whatsapp voice note on our dg light nine at 0165108888 coming up louise has a friend who seems to be paranoid and she's very concerned we'll address that problem after green day and all musical casts here on light Win your share of 15K with Sounds Like a Song starts at 9 a.m. It's a My Matters free clinic this morning. Hi, Louis. You had a question for Dr. Philip? Basically, there's a lady that I know. Uh, she's in her 70s. And okay. she's uh, she just recently lost her husband. Mm. And she has been telling her children and her friends, which is one of them is me, um, saying that People are following her, like um, when she goes to any coffee shop, mm. the next table will be is, is following her and taking her photos because mm. nowadays people are in their phone and sometimes they take photos and everything or calling people and yep. she thinks that they're calling someone to follow her and then sometimes she would not take the lift, mm. she'll take staircase instead because um, she's afraid that the next person is actually looking at her and mm. following her mm. and sometimes she stops her car at one side. Yep. Because she thinks that certain motorbikes at the back or whatever is following her. Mm. So uh, she doesn't want to go to take any pills because she has actually went to hospital to check her scan, right. her brain and all that. And everything is fine. So they gave her some pills, but she don't want to take those pills because she feels that she will be forgetful. So mm. how can we advise her or calm her down? 
Yeah. So is it affecting her day-to-day life? I mean, is it affecting relationships or, you know, what she does? Is it affecting her sleep and her appetite? Sometimes it affects her sleep and her appetite. Mm. Uh, when it, especially when she gets over anxiety. Yeah. Or it's like people around her needs to be a bit careful mm. uh, speaking to her. But if sometimes certain things happen that overstress her, then it will, it will really flare up. Yeah. So, but she's staying on her own now. I mean, her, her children is out of the the place that she's staying is right. not, not in the same town yeah. so how can friends and her children help her okay well actually it sounds like that she may be experiencing a paranoid delusion and paranoia is where they believe that others are you know intending to do something to them or to harm them um, the first thing that we would normally do at her age is to rule out a medical condition that's causing this uh, delusions and so we would rule out you know dementia or other medical conditions that may also cause a similar symptom. If all that has been ruled out, then there are treatments that help with the delusions. But those treatments need to be discussed with the family as well. So we have different options with treatments. There are tablets and there are uh, medicines that are given in liquid form and some that are given as an injection. So if patients find it difficult to take the medication daily, then they have options on different, you know, sort of formulations that can be used. Now, sometimes if it's affecting her day-to-day life and uh, there are no family members surrounding, then we would also consider admission for respite and for care. And during that period, once she's on medication, she can actually get much better and stable and then maybe continue with treatment so that it doesn't recur or come back again. Give us a call on 03-9543-3333 or send those questions to us on our DG Lightline at 016-510-8888. When we come back, we have Mike's problem and Mike doesn't want to be coerced into signing up for a course his friend insists he should take. That's up next here on Light. It's a Mind Matters Free Clinic with Dr. Philip George, consultant psychiatrist. So Mike, you had a question for Dr. Philip. Yes, I do. Um, so Dr. Philip, it's just something that I've been facing over the past week or so. So I've got this really good friend of mine who is a leadership development specialist. Um, and he talks to me every now and then about a program that, that, that he runs. And lately, he's been trying to push me to attend one of his programs that he's having over, I think, next week. Mm-hmm. So now, I've done my research about it, and I found out that it's not really something that I feel comfortable about. I feel it's quite cult-like, you could say. Right. And it's also super expensive. But, you know, telling him about it would be not an option, because I, I've known him for some time, and he doesn't take no for an answer. So, yeah, I just need an advice from you on how to go about with this. Right. And you you don't want to attend the course? No, I don't think I can commit for now, because I have you no know, work commitment. And the money itself is an issue because I, I'm not sure if I'm going to get anything beneficiary out of it, you see. Mm. All right. So you want advice on how to deal with your friend? Correct. How do I say no to him without offending him? Or how do I assess this opportunity? You know, maybe currently I'm looking at it from a very negative point of view, but mm-hmm. who knows? I could gain something out of it. All right. Your thoughts, Dr. Philip? Well, it sounds like you're a little ambivalent about this and you haven't made up your mind whether you want to go or you don't want to go. So I would say one is write down a balance sheet. Look at the pros and the cons. What's the good of actually attending this, including, well, maybe my friend will you know, like me more. And of course, the cons is, well, my friend might look down and or not be my friend anymore. And, you know, list them all down 
And then you can make an informed decision on what you're going to tell your friend. And of course, when you tell your friend, you need to decide, okay, how can I approach this? Mm-hmm. It's important to be assertive. Use the I word rather than the you word. And, you know, maybe associate that with an emotional word. Like, I am really sad and sorry that I have to disappoint you. But, uh, you know, this is what it is. And mm-hmm. uh, But you have to then play out in your mind or do problem solving and see how he will react and respond. And then you know, okay, how you can, you know, counter that as well. And so you rehearse that and you, you know, maybe do it with your mirror and then play it out and uh, then decide which which is the best way to react and respond. Right. In a lot of cases when you say, okay, it's actually the money, I can't afford to do it now. Yeah. The person you're speaking to will come back and say, it's okay, we, we do staggered payments as well if yeah, you're, you know. Absolutely. So how do you counter that? I mean, do you just come out and say, you know, what it is I can't afford to, I don't yep. want to spend money yep. in this, I don't want to invest. Yeah. How, how do you... So actually, if you've made up your mind, you have to say it as it is and not like, okay, maybe not now or I don't think I have time or I don't have the money right now because that is not a no. Mm-hmm. So you have to say, no, I am not interested. I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, leave it as that. You don't have to give excuses sometimes, you know. Yeah. Well, give us a call on 039543333 or our DG Light line. You can drop your messages uh, via voice note there at 0165108888. Coming up, Ravi wants to know how he can help his depressed 10-year-old child. That's up next right here on Light. Win your share of 15K with Sounds Like a Song starts at 9 a.m. And it's a Mind Matters free clinic with Dr. Philip George, consultant psychiatrist. Ravi, you had a question for Dr. Philip. Mm, Yes. How would you treat depressed child? Let's say my child is 10 and his depressive behavior and social anxiety is quite uh, tempting me. So depression runs the family. So how do I treat this? Right. I think you first need to get diagnosed. But Dr. Phil, what do you think? You're absolutely right, Shaz. I think it's really important to get an assessment done. Uh, because typically depression in children and adolescents does not depict itself similarly to as in adults. It's more in their behavior. And it can be mistaken for other conditions like, you know, ADHD, attention deficit hyperactive disorder, mm-hmm. or even oppositional defiant behavior or other childhood conditions that need to be assessed by a child psychiatrist or a psychologist. Now, because there's a family history, yes, that may play a role, but it's not purely genetics. And sometimes it can be the environment. So parenting itself may be influential in children's behavior. So I think overall it needs to be assessed. Usually if a child does suffer from depression in is at a young age we would maybe reserve medication for a last resort and we'd look at maybe psychological therapies first and that be you know using family therapy play therapy and various other uh, child therapies and only then if that doesn't work then we look at maybe low doses of antidepressants all right well hopefully Ravi you can get your child the help he or she needs And we have time for one more question. If you have a question about your mental health or someone you love, uh, give us a call on 039543-3333. We've got Bad Company and Culture Club up next here on Light. It's a Mind Matters Free Clinic with Dr. Philip George. Ben, you had a question for Dr. Philip? Oh, yes, I do. Doctor, I'm 26 years old. And at the moment, I'm supporting my whole family with a small salary. It sometimes can get really, really stressful mentally and physically. You know, sometimes it's so exhausting that although I'm so tired, I can't sleep so much because I think too much about this. And even when I try, when I doze off 
so so many questions come come to my head you know when to build you how much do i got to save this month how much goes to my parents medical bills and things like that so my question is how do i get some mental rest that is a great question isn't it doc <laughs> it is is absolutely a great question mm. i think it's something that everyone is experienced at least once or most of the time in their lives <laughs> yes and every month too <laughs> every month and when the tax man comes calling yeah exactly <laughs> yeah no well look i think the important thing is to understand that we all have optimum stress levels and when we go beyond that then we're heading towards breakdown and you know all the other medical complications that come with excess stress i mean one of the big factors for why most people develop diabetes and hypertension is also related to stress and our poor management of stress and so we need to identify what are our daily hassles and what are our you know sort of stress events in our lives that are you know going to be up and coming or you know that we can anticipate mm-hmm. like buying a house is a big stress event or getting married is a big stress event or maybe changing jobs is a big stress event but then you have your daily hassles how do you cope with your day to day finances how do you cope with trying to get your income and expenditure and all worked out uh, appropriately that's a daily hassle so we need to spend time to try and resolve those things preferably with maybe people who yeah. can support and help you with that right have a plan right yeah and i think it's important to actually get the family involved because you know you sound like you're doing all this for the family you have to worry about it you have to think about it and they're not participating mm. and you know that can frustrate you even more that can actually create that more rumination and oh how long do i have to carry on with this but when others are involved and you have that family discussion okay let's talk about finances in our family this is our income uh this is our collective stuff and these are the bills now what do you propose how can we actually you know cut mm-hmm. ends or change things and make expenditure less than our income right so that's one part of it but um you know when he's about to go to sleep and he needs to yeah. relax so what advice could you give him besides yeah. counting sheep <laughs> i know that doesn't work for me <laughs> well you know what we do just before we get to sleep will actually decide how our sleep quality is our dreams are actually colored by our thoughts just prior to sleep so if we're going to go to bed thinking about oh what's going to happen tomorrow what you know my problems and my finances and how am i going to make these ends meet and we're going to have a really ridiculous sleep you know we'll feel really uncomfortable in the morning we're not rested and sleep actually restores our physical and our mental health mm-hmm. all right well thank you very much uh, some great advice there dr philip you're welcome